The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Ling alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson back from a long, uh, fun, but, you know, long weekend in Vegas. Uh, still still recovering here, but going to get to one news item quickly. Uh, Kyle Schwarber going to come up, that according to Jonathan Mayo, MLB.com, with Miguel Montero landing back on the DL. Uh, he's going to return. Doesn't sound like he's going to be the everyday catcher, but, it, you know, I would imagine – three out of every five games or something like that, still a ton of value. So he's going to have to come off of your updated uh, prospect list here, James. Again, you're, you're listing only players that are in the minor leagues here, so you have him third, but he's going to be coming off. I'm uh, going to look at some other guys here. J.P. Crawford up at number seven now. The power is still not really there, just uh, three homers in 60 games. But what kind of grade would you put on that tool long term? He's only 20. Do you see that becoming like a above average type of tool for him no i think it's going to be kind of fringe average maybe maybe solid average so you know 45 50 um i don't know I, it's not 
he doesn't really need to hit for a ton of power. I, I don't think for him to be a, a pretty valuable fantasy commodity. He's got one of the best swings in all the minor leagues. You know, could hit 300 plus in, in multiple seasons. I could see. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's going to play every day at shortstop starting sometime next year, and that's got a ton of value as long as you're doing something mm-hmm. right. I mean, a lot of a lot of shortstops that we're starting in a lot of these 15 team leagues don't really have any plus tools. So mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he's uh, a plus hitter. Uh, can run a little bit it's probably gonna maybe maybe eight to 12 homer pop in his peak years I mean that's still a pretty valuable guy solid average speed tool would you say as well yeah I think I think there could be some some 15 20 25 steal seasons yeah I think you know the the hit tool will carry him and you know help him with the runs and RBI numbers we're talking just five by five roto but uh still a lot to like even with you know not a ton of power speed there uh but it's the position eligibility for me that I really like. And with that team, too, I, I figure he'll get an opportunity relatively early next season. Uh, now, a guy, Tyler Glasnow, the Pirates, we, we kind of have been talking just recently about how maybe he could be a trade ship. We think Pirates right on the verge of competing. I threw down $80 on, on them in Vegas at 12 to 1 odds. After uh, you left, I, I got him at 15 to 1 did for, you? for 50. So, yeah. Damn you. Yeah. That's yeah, the well, win, all the power to the you. The win was. Uh, being pretty generous with some of their their futures odds, so I, I cashed the, in the win. Yeah, the win. Casino. Is that a okay? Yeah. I hadn't. I've never heard of that, but I was happy to get twelve to one because we couldn't find better than ten to one for a little while. So I just had to take advantage of it. But that's that's really nice for you. But we were talking about how you know the top to bottom, their roster really stacked, like a lot of what they have. But maybe they're just kind of an ace and maybe an, a bench bat, something away from really getting over that hump. But Glass now you have it 14 on your rankings here. Do you think maybe if they don't make a move to acquire a guy, he could maybe be somebody who comes up in September, eats some innings, and helps them uh, really make that playoff push? Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't see it being in anything other than a bullpen role if you were to get a taste this year. Uh, just just think that's that would be a little aggressive on their part, and they haven't really shown a willingness to be that aggressive when it comes to prospects. You know, I mean, they were – uh, you know, Jameson Tyon was was never on a fast track necessarily. Uh, Gregory Polanco was was kind of held down longer than a lot of people felt he should have been. So I think I think with uh, Glass now, I I wouldn't even be surprised if we don't see him at all in the big leagues this year. He is faring very well at Double A Altoona. Nine starts down there, two four five ERA, oh nine six WHIP, uh, ten ten and a half strikeouts per nine, just two point seven walks per nine. Big improvement in that department. Uh, this year, after he, uh, you know, had some some major issues with walks at, at certain times last year, but I I think he could be an option. I don't think they'd want to trade him, but do you have some other pieces in mind that the Pirates uh, would be more willing to move and are more realistic, uh, have more realistic chance to be moved? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people, <clears throat> uh, you know, I think I think Buster only recently said that he thought like the Dodgers the Mets the Blue Jays like those are the teams that he really expects to be active at the deadline and the thing is those teams don't really have um you know obvious pieces to move that are that are like kind of duplicate that are going to be easy to unload that they're going to be willing to unload whereas the Pirates have a decent amount of those guys I think Austin Meadows and Alan Hansen uh, kind of stand out as, as some pretty obvious pieces that you would possibly look to move if you're the Pirates just because 
Uh, you're not going to be playing those guys anytime in the next. I mean, it would take an injury for Hanson to play next year, and uh, I don't think Meadows is going to be ready to play next year, and you don't really need him anyways in terms of outfield depth. So uh, they would just be really jumping all over a nice you know, two-year window here to kind of cash in while you still have Andrew McCutcheon in his prime and you have – you know, a healthy Garrett Cole, and, and you still have A.J. Burnett this year, and, and Liriano still pitching really well. So I think this is a really nice two-year window for them, especially with the Cubs kind of on the rise. You know, you want to take advantage before the Cubs become just a full-on juggernaut, which will probably happen in the next two to three years. So, so I think so I think, I think the time to, to jump into the trade market and try to, try to make a big swing. I'm 100% with you there, and I think they will, even though I did see comments – just on Twitter recently from their GM saying, you know, we don't really have a glaring weakness on this roster, so there's not that urgency to go out and get somebody. We're happy with where we're at, but at the same time, you're right. You need to make a move to solidify your status, not only in that well, division, but in the NL. And we were talking just just in terms of just look at the the two guys on the Reds, the Johnny Cueto and Araldis Chapman, like I, you could even make a case. I know, I know you like the Cueto fit there. I, I almost think Araldis would be even, an even better fit because if you're talking about a, you know, five game series or or even a seven game series, Chapman might log, you know, an, enough innings to kind of really, really make that worth your while. And and mm-hmm. I think uh, Cueto would be obvious, a nice obvious, you know, first or second option behind uh, Garrett Cole there. But I mean, Liriano and Burnett are guys who I feel. Uh, I would I would trust them as as my second and third starters if if need be as long as the bullpen was outstanding. I think so too. But if you're going up against a team like the Dodgers, uh, I feel like you know Burnett's you know fine number two, but ideally I think they'd rather have him as kind of that number three guy. We'll move on though. Franklin Barreto, somebody who's jumped a fair amount. He was 84 on your May 15th update. Now, these are, are tentative still. These aren't live on the site, but you have him currently at 47 overall in your top 200. Guy who's, you know, not not big especially. He's like 5'8", something like this, but already nine homers down there. Uh, we talk about the Pacific Coast League being very hitter-friendly, but what's the Cal League like in terms of offensive environment? Uh, it's still pretty advantageous for hitters. Um, you know, with Barreto, I, I find it really difficult to rank – uh, short stops when they're you know it's like Franklin Barreto, Orlando Arcia, uh, Kettle Marte, um, you know Trey Turner. There's a lot of guys that you can make a really strong case to have as as top 50 prospects. And the one thing that I think sort of separates Barreto from at least Arcia and and Marte there is is just that he's got all around like the the potential for five category contributions mm-hmm. offensively with the power, the speed and the hit. Whereas whereas some of those guys, it's just all, all about the batting average or all about the, the batting average and the steals. And you're not going to get much power. Barreto actually has the potential to, to contribute in, in the power category, which I think uh, warrants him being a top 50 guy. Yeah. They get nine homers so far in 83 games with high A Stockton. Any still concerns just, about still the just walk 19. Rate? Yeah, 19. You know, 19 at high A with yeah. nine homers. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. Very impressive, regardless of environment. What about the walk rate? Any concerns there? Just 14 and 330 plate appearances. Do you think that'll come in time? I don't know. I mean, it's – you know, we care about that in, I mean, in the sense that it makes him more valuable to his big league club. He might lead to some more runs, might lead to some more stolen bases. But 
that's not gonna you know a shortstop that hits say 280 with 20 homers like I don't really I'm not gonna hold it against mm-hmm. him if he's not walking a ton I mean Tim Anderson's kind of got the exact same issue uh, not walking a ton either but if he steals 40 bases and hits 15 homers and, and hits 285 then <laughs> it doesn't really matter how much he's walking no that's that's very true and again 19 years old A's have to be really happy with what he's doing right now. Now, I wanted to touch on a few more guys there in that top 100. We talked about a lot of top 100 uh, risers, fallers last time, but we'll jump to some guys in the the bottom half here uh, from 100 to 200. Micah Johnson's an interesting guy. You know, we had some high hopes for him coming in. He did win the job, but floundered. Uh, He's at 120 on this list right now. And we were kind of talking before just about how difficult you find it to rank, you know, pure power, pure speed guys. Uh, do you think Johnson uh, has fallen this far because you don't think that tool is going to be able to carry him to you know, significant fantasy value? I just – I don't know. I mean, I think it's – with him it's kind of more about defense. But mm-hmm. in terms of just the the all-speed guys, I mean, there's so many guys in the minor leagues that have like 70 or 80 grade, grade speed. And then you think about, well, how many guys are in the big leagues that have – that kind of speed and I mean it's not many I mean it's probably less than 10 you know I mean you yeah, have look at what Billy Hamilton yeah D Gordon Billy Hamilton yeah. but there's a reason why there aren't more I mean they're the minors are chocked full of these guys but a lot of them come with you know big time flaws or big time questions about the rest of the package I mean you know like a guy like Malik Smith who you know probably has 70 or 80 grade speed uh wouldn't be surprising at all, though, if he just ends up as like a fourth outfielder or, or some speed off the bench mm. just because you're not sure how well he's going to be able to hit. Um, I mean, that's just kind of one example. Johnson is another. But just because a guy can run and, and rack up, you know, 40, 50 steals in the minor leagues, it's hard to, you know, kind of balance that with, well, yeah, but how realistic is it that this guy becomes an everyday regular? I mean, you mm. see a guy like even like Roman Quinn, who I, I like a ton, uh, you know, he could steal 50 plus bases in the major leagues if he's playing every day, but you know, he's got a hit and, you know, a guy like Ben Revere has been able to get regular at bats in the big leagues and, and add in the stolen base department. But I don't know if he would be getting regular at bats if he wasn't on the Phillies. Like mm-hmm. if he was on a better team, a first division team, then I think you might be looking at Revere as just a bench guy. And, and that might be the case with a lot of these speed first guys. Now a guy kind of on, that other end of the spectrum, but it's still in that same kind of category of all all one tool as Braxton Davidson. He's kind of lingering around the same spot as before, one thirty four currently. Uh, do, you, do you tend to favor? You know, he's behind Johnson. But tend to favor the the all power guys over the all speed guys just because that one tool uh, can carry them possibly to, to more regular time in the majors. Yeah, it just it just depends. Uh, depends what the you know what's going with that power package like last strikeouts I, I moved you know it, it gets even tougher when a guy's got crazy splits mm-hmm. um like Renato Nunez I, I moved off the list just because it seems pretty clear to me that he's just going to be a platoon guy for the A's which is fine but I mean I'm not going to put a guy in the top 200 that's probably not going to play every day mm-hmm. even in his peak years and the the A's actually have a lot of those guys like Matt Chapman uh Matt Olson. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys in that system where it's like you know that they have the ability to hit a ton of homers, but what's the batting average going to look like? I think I think Davidson, the batting average could 
could be solid enough for it to be pretty useful. I mean, if he hits, say, 260, uh, you know, and hits 25-plus homers, that's that's pretty useful in, in most formats. Um, you know, he's he's probably going to end up in left field. It'd be nice. I mean, he would, he'd profile pretty nicely as a DH, I think. But, you know, in the NL, that's not going to be an option in the foreseeable future. So he's definitely going to have to hit a ton of homers. But I think, you know, still just 19 years old, just, just turned 19 uh, pretty recently. I mean, I think he's – it's going to be a long wait, but I think you could still see him kind of actualize that power at the big league level. Mm-hmm. You know, he is – he's walking a lot this year. I mean, over 18%. He's got 63 walks. And 343 plate appearances. Again, that's important for the real-life value, and then that, that of course, affects fantasy value because playing time, all that. But uh, for a big power guy like this, it's good to see him taking those walks because that combination uh, is usually a pretty good formula for success. Now, we'll jump back here. A guy I don't know much of anything about. I actually hadn't really heard this name before, but Wilmer Becerra. Am I saying that right? Becerra? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, he's... um, Currently at high, uh, low A Savannah in the Mets system, 20 years old, but pretty impressive numbers, eight homers, OPS over a, a 800. But, you know, is this more about, you know, the team context here with him possibly coming up, helping out uh, an offense that's bad? I mean, he's he's not going to help out this year or probably for most of next year, but do you see him being an everyday type of guy in that organization? Uh, yeah, in time. I mean, yeah, it's not a, it's not so much of a, a bump because of how bad their, their options are at the big league level right now, just cause he is two or three years away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a really nice combination of, of power and speed. I mean, I, I don't think he steals more than say 10 or 12 bases when he's old enough to be in the big leagues, but, uh, you know, he'll, he'll add a little bit there and, and the power I think could still get to you know, you know, plus or, or maybe even a tad better. I mean, he was a, a pretty highly touted international uh, free agent uh, a few years back out of out of Venezuela, and it's just kind of taken him some time to finally uh, start to show why they they paid that you know on the field, and and this has kind of been a, a breakout year for him. And finally, Alan Hansen, we talked about him just in passing, but 127. He's having a pretty darn good year down there at AAA Indianapolis, but are you just kind of you know tempering your expectations in terms of upside? I mean, position eligibility, intriguing to me. I have him in SKL too, but are you kind of uh, souring on him a bit? Uh, why is that? I'm not – yeah, I mean, I, I think he's probably down, I don't know, 25 or 30 spots relative to last, last update, but uh, – so I mean I'm not I wouldn't say I'm down on him it's just that I think there's a chance that he's a utility guy mm-hmm. uh especially the fact that I I mean he's he's just going to lose so much prospect luster I think in the next you, you know calendar year mm-hmm. or so because he's going to be big league ready and he's not going to be playing in the big leagues barring a trade and or he might be up at the big league level and not playing every day and you know, it only takes like a month for a guy's prospect shine to to kind of wear off mm-hmm. in in most dynasty leagues. So I mean, if if people start pegging this guy as a as a util option, then you're not going to really be able to get much from him in any kind of a trade. So uh, still like the the power speed combo, but just in that organization, it's hard to say exactly when he'll be able to be given a shot to actually use that on the field on an everyday basis. You know, I think he is kind of the perfect 
guy to move for this organization. I mean, five homers, 23 steals, nice, but OPS, 746. I mean, I, I'm with you. I just don't think he's a key piece of this f- their future. And they have some guys in place right now, and they have, of course, Jung-Ho Gung, who, you know, playing third now, but, uh, you know, when Harrison's back, they'll need to find a spot for him long term. And I just, yeah, I have him, but I think, you know, heading into next year, I, I wouldn't be even in a team like, what, 17-team league? Keeper league with 10 minor league spots. I don't think he definitely needs to be owned. I wouldn't be. No. Uh, I would definitely think hard about tossing him back. And he, he might he might end up even lower than where he is on the, the final set of rankings here. It's just mm. the – yeah, the, I mean, there's like Darnell Sweeney in the, in the Dodgers system. I think you can make a very good case that he's very similar to Hanson. And mm-hmm. Sweeney, I don't know if he, I'm even going to put him on the list. So, I mean, those, those guys that don't really have – that's you really want those guys to be plus defenders so that you can guarantee that they'll be given a chance to play every day and when a guy starts playing a bunch of like outfield and second base and and moving off your shortstop and everything then it really starts to get a little murky in terms of are they ever going to be given a a good shot I mean like a guy like like Justin Turner for instance uh, he's gotten a chance with the Dodgers and he's taken a you know big time advantage of it but what if his first you know 300 at bats he'd hit like 250 or something or 225 I mean he'd probably just be labeled as an org guy going forward so you got to really jump on those opportunities if you're going to start off as a util guy well that will do it for this uh, the prospect portion of this episode of the prospect podcast be sure to keep out an eye out for James's updated top 200 going live on the site very soon uh, but we're going to get to our next phase of the show uh, grading on our latest hip-hop group we have graded out uh Outcast, Gangstar, and Terror Squad in our in the past three episodes. Gonna do Bone Thugs. You know, we got Andrew Laird gave us some good recommendations. Shout out to him. Uh, the Firm, Mob Deep. We're gonna wait until next week to do Mob Deep. We've got uh, Bone Thugs recommended on Twitter, so we're gonna go with them here. Bone Thugs, you know, growing up in Ohio, one of my favorite groups, especially East 1999 Eternal. Uh, one of my favorite albums. First of the month, that was like really the first single I ever had. I had a cassette tape single that yeah, my brother passed down to me so that was uh really nice but we're going to be grading bone thugs on the five tools on the 20 to 80 scale the five tools we've established for hip-hop groups lyricism flow longevity impact and swag and then we'll give an overall grade now james this is so what's so hard with grading out groups there's just individual members can range across the board so much and i think that's kind of the case with bone thugs uh pretty similar flows throughout the board but as far as lyricism Kind of up and down. What what did you give an overall grade on here? Uh, I threw a forty five on that, just because it's you know it's it's inconsistent from member to member, but it's also very inconsistent from record to record or, or album to album. I mean, I think that's a good call yeah. on on East ninety nine or the Art of War. Uh, there's there's a lot of you know really top notch. Uh, lyrics on certain songs but mm. you kind of move it into some of their their later stuff and it's it gets a little shakier and btnh resurrection yeah yeah uh yeah. thug world order <laughs> thug world order yeah i mean there's it's it's kind of up and down so i mean if, if we're just if we we're just doing like east 99 or or like creeping on a come up or something like that maybe i'd maybe i'd put like a 55 on it mm-hmm. but uh you know overall I'll put a 45 there 
I got I got a 55. Now, I do think that the flow masks a lot of it cuz like I I'm, you know, loving these certain songs but then I actually think about what they're saying and it's like Oh, that's just kind of stupid. It doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense. It just sounds good. It just sounds good. But then you also yeah. got, you know, I, I think I think Wish is probably the worst member, even though it's hard because you have to take in Flesh into account, but he was in, in prison for most of that time, uh, most of their peak. So it's uh, hard to factor those two in and weigh them when you yeah. got guys like Crazy, Lazy, and Busy who Wishbone are top pretty, of the Pretty, pretty the easily the, the, yeah, the worst of the guys that are on most of their songs. Mm. Um and then I would, I would, I would probably rank it. Uh, I think I'd, I think I'd go busy, crazy, lazy, wish, um, but busy and busy and crazy, kind of close there at the top. Yeah, I think it's crazy, busy, lazy. Uh, wish, <laughs> this yeah. is this is a great what we what great fresh. great podcast here. We're just ranking <laughs> ranking busy, wish, crazy, and lazy. <laughs> hey, giving the people what they want. All right? um, but that's the thing. I mean, I alluded to how high my uh, flow grade would be here. I got an eighty flow. I mean, that's oh. the thing. I I think when you're, you're spitting at that level, you know, that fast, and you know, have. It's it's very unique. I know there was like some beef between them and Three Six Mafia about you know who who copied whose style. For me, it was al- always going to be Bone Thugs. Uh, they kind of set that bar in the you know early '90s as far as you know tempo and and really getting getting those lyrics out in a hurry. And uh, it's it's tough because I do think the lyrics were, were strong overall, but I think the flow was just so good that it really separated Bone, put them in the national spotlight with East 1999. Yeah, no, that's I. I definitely can't hate on on you putting an eighty on that. Uh, I put a sixty-five on it, which is still. I mean, that's you know, sixty-five. That's mm-hmm. a that's a heck of a grade. Um, they have they have some songs where it's it's an easy eighty in terms mm-hmm. of the flow, uh, but I just think that they have more songs where it's not an eighty than than where it is an eighty, and they have some where it's probably more like a fifty. Uh, so it's kind of it's really just wide ranging. I mean, not not a ton of consistency from song to song. I mean, you could anybody's like top ten or top fifteen Bone Thug songs are all gonna have close to an eighty flow on them. But they have so many other songs where you know you're just gonna hit skip probably. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's and that know, was the case on like the later records. Sure, you know? sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's very you know at their when they're at their best, it's it's definitely an eighty. But overall, mm-hmm. just go sixty five there. Yeah, I, you know, we'll get to longevity, but I think at their peak they were an 80, so I have to give them that. Yeah. Uh, I'll stick to it, but I, I definitely see your argument for uh, a lower grade. Now, longevity, I do have a 60. Uh, the, the window wasn't big. You know, I think East 1999, East 1999, Eternal, Art of War, BTNH, Resurrection, all pretty strong. Those were in a five-year span, so not a huge window. Uh, but I got, I got more more love for just how much I still enjoy it. You know, I, I still find uh, myself listening to bone thugs, you know, the art of war, uh, double disc. I thought was, was really strong and, uh, creeping on a come up too. I mean, that was before East 1999 and before they really kind of blew up. But I thought, you know, with, with, bi- uh, easy E, you know, kind of guiding them ruthless records. I thought that was a, a very strong showing. So, uh, I'm going to go with 60 here. But again, mainly because of how much I still enjoy that that early work. Yeah, I went I went fifty five. Uh, 
you know the fact that they're you know they they came to play in madison recently i had a couple oh, friends really? that went to go see nice. them there i mean just the fact that they're still touring is is solid and they kind of still had their exact same persona on stage uh, apparently mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean i think i think uh longevity that's it's kind of a tough grade it's kind of you know, yeah. depending on how you want to go, whether you just want to rate how long they were good or or how long their their albums sort of hold up. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're gonna get to this with Impact, but I think there's a, a pretty uh, large amount of the the kids that kind of grew up in sort of our our age range where East ninety nine was probably their their favorite record of the entire nineties, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up where, there for me. Where they would just maybe listen to just East ninety nine for like an entire year or yeah, <laughs> like an entire exactly. couple of years. Um like ninety five that was just So I mean wild. that's that's definitely an album that had had some very impressive longevity. It also like we said with, with lyricism, it, it varies from member to member because Crazy's got like 75 longevity like I, I heard him on a track recently he was still bringing it but then you got busy i mean he's uh, i liked actually his solo work you know, thugs cry i thought that was a decent song and album but he's really kind of fallen off the map and since strength and loyalty their last you know, studio album that i bought i uh, haven't haven't even heard his name mentioned so uh you know hope, hopefully he's all right and not you know in in rough spot right now, but he's not somebody that I don't think is making music still, but could be wrong. Now Impact, I got a fifty. I I don't really think you know, maybe they kind of sparked a, a movement to more, you know, fast rap, but I don't think, you know, there were a lot of people that really heard Bone Thugs and copied their style. Aside from maybe three six, if you want to agree with me and say they kind of took aspects of their music. But I think, you know, in in the industry the impact wasn't that significant yeah i maybe maybe like twista or, or yeah do or die. um yeah. that do or die that's a very good point as well. uh but yeah i i think for the most part they weren't a they weren't like a rapper's rap group they mm-hmm. were they were more kind of a you know probably popular in in terms of just midwest um teenagers when they released east 9099 eternal i don't i don't think there were a ton of people older than say 20 that that were buying and listening to bone thugs at the time and and i think you know a lot of like like i mean notorious thugs is probably you know and then like first of the month i mean they they have some songs that definitely you know people that aren't huge hip-hop fans are aware of when they come on but yeah i don't i don't think they they had a wide-ranging impact on the industry at all Actually, you know, we were just talking about longevity, and you mentioned that they were in town. Was busy with them? Do you know? Was I, it the full well, group? it was the the. It was just a couple of girls I know that went oh, to it. Okay. So I mean, they they wouldn't be able to pick that out uh, <laughs> per se. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, can't hate on that. But busy, you know. I think he was a good member, and I agree that impact. I'm glad that you pointed out Do or Die. I really like Do or Die as well, and there's a lot of similarities there in Twista. Yeah, that kind of. Uh, tremendous pace, I think, was something that some people got on, but I think uh, it hasn't really held up, and I don't think it had huge impact in, in the in industry as well. The swag, tough one for me because I like him, but I'm going to go 40 here just because nobody really, really stood out, aside from Crazy, as having a lot of swag. I think a 40 here is good. I think I think Wish really dragged it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that's... <sighs> 
I, I think you're right. I think I'm gonna. I had it at a fifty. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bounce it down to a forty-five. Um, yeah, there, there's just not a ton ton going on there. I mean, they had their own sort of style, uh, but not not a great style. Um, and just uh, yeah, I mean, just just some guys that just like to hang out and rap fast and, and smoke weed. I mean, not stoner uh, style. Yeah, yeah, stoner style. Baggy, baggy sure, clothes. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think below below average swag. Yeah. yeah, and when you got one guy who's just like not even there, I mean, yeah. he, that's not not very swaggy at all. But uh, lazy, I mean, he had a decent amount. Busy, yeah, but wish it was just so. <laughs> oh, it's just hard for for me to get behind wish back in the day. But also, just not. I mean, they kind of rocked a lot of throwbacks, which is kind of you know passe a little bit now, but. Uh, not so much, but it's also like they were rocking like terrible throwbacks. <laughs> right, ones that were right. just not good. Yeah, like wearing like those like FUBU jerseys, like you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Well, so overall, uh what are you what are you thinking there? Uh I'll throw a fifty on it. Um okay. I wouldn't argue if you wanted to go lower or or higher. That's just they weren't they weren't ever like a group that was a huge part of my my childhood. I mean I had all their their albums they released during their prime and mm. listen to those from time to time. I mean, probably 15 or 20 songs that I would listen to fairly regularly for a few years there, but not a, not a band that I listen to a, a ton anymore, not a group. I just want to go back real quick and just say about Impact. I will give them credit that they were, you know, a group that worked with both Tupac and Biggie on tracks. Yeah, so that, the, that does make me One of the few, and those those were some excellent yeah, tracks. Some those were some, tracks some 80 tracks. Yeah, I mean, so that the... With the, was it two Glocks? Is that the Tupac song? Yeah, uh, I think so. It was definitely it was on the Art of War. Yeah. Um, um, well, I'm not yeah. sure exactly. Oh, thug. It was Thug Love. Thug Love, yeah. yeah. Thug Love and then uh, Notorious Thugs. Yeah. Both, both 80 songs in my book. Yeah, those are <laughs> both outstanding and... That it does kind of speak to you know artists wanting to work with them. I just don't think it it really reflected in other aspects because I, I mean you'd see occasional features, but it'd be like featuring crazy, featuring busy. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be all of them together on a track. But I got a fifty-five there. You know, couldn't put them nearly as high as Gangstar or Outkast. We both had uh, who I had seventies on overall, but fifty-five I think is fair. Uh, borderline plus, you know. Yeah. It's plus yeah. plus group. No, second division starter. Yeah, for sure. exactly. So I'm happy with that. Thank you guys for listening to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link, James Anderson. Follow James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Please rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. We'll be back with you next Thursday. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.